Kia ora and welcome to RNZ's Insight Program. This week, we delve into the student flight from low decile schools. The number of Pākehā students in low decile schools has fallen dramatically over the past 15 years. Insight investigates what impact that change has had on schools and if there are wider implications for society. This school playground has witnessed a profound change in the past 15 years. In 2000, half the children playing here were Pākehā. Now it's around one in eight. Some Pākehā families have moved out of the area and others are bypassing the school in favour of others in richer neighbourhoods where they believe they'll get a better education. A similar change has swept through other low decile schools and it's one of the reasons that last year there were 60,000 fewer Pākehā students in deciles 1 through 5 than there were in 2000. It's a trend I discovered and reported on five years ago, and little has changed since then. I'm John Gerritsen, and this insight explores what effect demographic changes have had on low-decile schools. I think I feel like reasonably included, very included. Um, I think it's important to recognise both and I think we do that here. I think I feel welcome into both ethnicities. Emily is one of just 3,000 Pākehā students going to a decile one school. 15 years ago there were nearly 7,000 but times have changed. There are fewer Pākehā students overall, 65,000 fewer or a drop of 14% since 2000. But that fall has been disproportionately concentrated on lower decile schools. Last year, only 24% of Pākehā children attended schools in deciles 1 to 5, down from 40% in 2000. In terms of numbers, that's a drop from 160,000 to 98,000, and it means nearly the entire fall in the number of Pākehā students in the past 15 years has been borne by low-decile schools. Some of that change is likely to be because some low-decile schools with a lot of Pākehā students now have higher decile numbers. But there are schools, especially in Auckland, that have seen their Pākehā enrolments plummet, in some case going from roles that are half Pākehā to around 10% or less. I've been here since September 1977, which is a very long time ago now. Moira McPherson is the Deputy Principal at Auckland's Edgewater College, and she's seen the school's ethnic makeup change enormously since she arrived 40 years ago. When I arrived, the school was largely European. It was 84%, I think, around about that when I started. I'm not sure what it is now, but it would be, I would suspect, below 10%. The principal at Edgewater College, Alan Vesta, has been at the school for 21 years. He says in some ways his school is better off for the change. We would think it's actually improved the culture of the school. Edgewater, everybody cares, is actually a motto. And I think in a school with high Pacific role, that's actually a heck of a lot more easy to actually generate and I think you know when you talk to our students you'll see that that kind of caring um, nature that comes out so in that respect I don't think it's affected the school negatively at all. Alan Vesta says the school offers a bigger range of vocational courses than in the past but that's as much to do with the introduction of the NCEA as with the change in its role and students still excel in exams and go on to university. Students at Edgewater are enthusiastic about their school but they also admit that community perceptions are often different. 
I had people in my ear saying, oh, it's such a bad school, there's people there that just get into fights 24-7, there were, like, brown people and all these things, and which is truthfully one of the reasons I didn't come to Edgewater. Steph is in year 11 and initially bypassed Edgewater College for a school further away. That didn't work out, and she's glad she came to Edgewater after all. Jack is in year 13 and admits to some trepidation at coming to a high school where ethnically he would be very much in the minority. When I came here it was very different and I was, I was quite, I've actually, I was quite scared because I wasn't, hadn't been exposed to this much cultural diversity. Five years on, Jack says choosing his local high school, where most students are Pacifica or Māori, was the best thing he ever did. I've learnt a lot how to live in this culture, you know, because New Zealand is diverse. We're a diverse country, so coming to Edgewater College, which is diverse, is really going to help prepare me for the rest of my life. You know, and that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from coming to Edgewater College. But clearly, some local Pākehā families aren't choosing Edgewater. I asked Alan Vesta if that matters. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, our view very much is, look, we're going to do the best we can for the kids that come in through the door. There's no gnashing of teeth and railing against the system on the basis of this. We just carry on doing the best job we can with the, um, with the students that come. What does it say about society, societal norms and, and also you know, race relations? Probably nothing too much about race relations, but I think it, it does signal a pretty significant potential problem in New Zealand. The issue that we're having nationwide, as you know, there's, there's been a drift of part of the schools, and so lower DSL schools are increasingly more in Pacifica, and I think that's bad for society. Hmm. OK, why? Because the society that kids go out into once they leave school is actually a very multicultural and mixed society, and I think it's actually healthy and helpful to have students educated in that setting as well. So I've got Cecilia here. Oh, good morning, Cecilia. Good morning, Cecilia. On Auckland's southernmost edges is Cosgrove School in Papakura, where Gus Klein has been the principal since 2006. He says roll data over the past 15 years shows the school has been through a big change. 15 years ago there were um, about just over 50% uh, European in the school, and that has now dropped to just over 10%. 13, 14% in that period of time. When I started uh, at the school in 2006, we were decile 2, and since then the uh, decile has now dropped to decile 1. Gus Klein says the change was partly driven by changes in who is living in the neighbourhood and partly by parental perceptions of the school. Yes, there is a change in the demographics around this area because this is a fairly low socio-economic area. Uh, there is uh, some degree of the decile influence where parents feel that a decile one school isn't uh, the school for them and uh, then take their children to other schools in the area that are, have higher deciles. Also, one of the issues were that for a number of years uh, we didn't have a zone. So we were also getting children from other schools around our district, because we are a preferred school, coming in. And a majority of them were our Māori and Pacifica children. Gus Klein says the radical rebalancing of the school's ethnic makeup prompted some big changes in the way the school worked, and for the better. We've had to rethink our philosophy of teaching because not having such a high uh, European population, we've had to look at now the research around how best 
Maori loon, our best Pacifica loon. And a number of years ago, we did some intensive staff training around relationship building, which is as part of the Maori and Pacifica culture. Those are the sort of things that we've had to change. But Gus Klein admits he's not comfortable with the broader national change that's resulted in such a small proportion of Pākehā students attending lower decile schools. What would be more healthy would be um, a range of abilities within schools because uh, the research says that streaming doesn't help children. In a sense, we've got a sense of streaming happening here in the sense that some of our more uh, able students due to good parenting or whatever, are not coming in. So even though we've got fantastic kids here, we're not getting that mix of abilities within a classroom. And so there isn't that that modelling going on that a, a more able student or a few able students can provide for other other students. And And to me, that's a shame. Peter Rout, the school's deputy principal, believes the Pākehā families who bypass the school are missing out. New Zealand, and particularly uh, Auckland, is is very multicultural. And uh, one of the most important things or one of the most important skills people can learn is to be able to how to relate to others. Uh, And the workforce is so important. And I think that some schools where there is only one dominant culture, they don't really understand and get to understand how other cultures operate. Fifteen years ago, Huntley College was a decile one school with more than 400 students, nearly half of them Pākehā. It's still a decile one school, but now it has 300 teenagers and only 50 are not Māori. The principal, Tim Foy, is quite frank. The school does not have the confidence of the community, and as a result, it's attracting only about one in three of the children who live in the area. Our role does not reflect the demographics of the town. A lot of students choose to go elsewhere for their secondary education. It's, I believe it's around the parental choice. They have a choice of what school to go to and for a whole lot of reasons which I can go into, Hunter College is not their first choice. Tim Foy says the loss of so many Pākehā students from the role affects the entire town. If I got, I believe, 75, 80, even 90% of that cohort, I believe this town could be a lot more united, we'd be a lot more community. But because we've got that divide around perception of education, education, school, secondary, should be the hub. They should be proud of the town, proud of their school. Sad to say it's not the case. Tim Foy says it's also changed the school. Yeah, it does feel different. The challenge for me as a leader is to make sure that my programs are reflective or more contextually based to align with cultural values. Uh, Waikato Tainui have been superb. They are very keen to help. It means that we've got to get closer to our family, to our local marae, which, which have been really good as well. Uh, can't, can't fault the, the Māori community at all. They, they're keen to support, keen to help. There is I, the danger that I, I lose touch with my non-Māori community, and that's something that I am reminded of often. So getting the balance right is, is crucial. Tim Foy says that balance means providing vocational programs that many students and their families want, but also academic programs for those who want to go to university and do. He admits that academic profile is one reason for the Pākehā community's desertion of their local school. The decision not to attend Huntley College is made way before they even get to year eight, and I don't believe it's just the fact that we're a one school. I think there's a lot of things. It's around perception, it's around 
what they perceive in a community. It's the behaviour of students that they see attending Huntley College. It's around uniform. It's around academic performance, which, of course, is, is down. It's not where we want it. All of those things combined together will simply make parents decide no, we can do better for our child. And, and I understand that because as parents you want your students to get the best. And if you can avoid a situation, if you can afford to send them to another school, if you can meet all those obligations, then I, I see why parents would do it. I don't like it, but I've just got to accept what it is. Tim Foy says the national trend for Pākehā to drift to higher decile schools is worrying because it looks like a racial division. That's wrong. I mean, that's not what New Zealand was built on. No way. Um, and that concerns me. It worries me, and it upsets me when I when I start to have those debates around why why students from other schools should be better than students here. Yeah, it does worry me. It does concern me, and I think it's something that I believe ministry or government need to address. And say, so, look, choice is one thing, but it's not choice for all. It is a very limited choice in some cases. Emily is one of the few Pakeha students at the school, but she doesn't feel like an oddity. She says she doesn't understand why so many local Pākehā don't at least give the school a try before heading out of town to other schools. She says it would make a difference if they stayed. Yeah, I think it would make a difference. Like, obviously, there'd be more people at Huntley College, so numbers would go up, and I feel like we'd have more connection to the community a bit more because we have so many more students from the community coming here. Another Year 13 student, Tainer, says people tend to have the wrong idea about his school. When people ask me, is Huntley College as bad as everyone says, I'm like, nah, it's not. <laughs> they, they're like, everyone's like, do they have fights every day? I'm like, oh no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Tainer believes the school would be different with more Pākehā, not in terms of the culture or feel of the school, but in terms of simply providing more people to interact with. Yeah, it would be different, but I reckon it might be a good different, you know seeing a lot of new faces around other than just the normal people you see outside of school. Although school leaders are troubled by the change in the ethnic balance in low decile schools, the Education Minister, Hekia Parata, does not accept the decline in their Pākehā students as disproportionate. The decline in Pākehā students, or New Zealand, European, depending on how you want to be described, is therefore actually reflective of the overall um, change in New Zealand society. Um, from the data set you've used, for example, we can see that from 2000 to 2016, the total number of Pākehā students in schools went from 468,000 to 403,000, or from 64% to 51%. So if anything, it tells us that less children are being had uh, who would identify themselves as New Zealand, European or Pākehā. OK, but the distribution of Pākehā, if you just look at where Pākehā are, and yes, there's fewer Pākehā, but that, that fall is totally disproportionate in the lower, lower deciles. If you think that we used to have 40% of Pākehā students were in lower deciles, deciles 1 to 5, now it's 25%. That's a, that's a huge shift, and it is out of proportion to the overall fall. I just don't agree with your interpretation of the figures because you can't have one side of the story and have that as, as an indicator because the other side of the story is, as I've said, the numbers of Māori students in decile 10 schools have more than doubled. So have Pacifica students more than doubled, Asian students more than doubled. If the question is, do we want to make sure that we are still rubbing shoulders with each other in our primary schools, in our secondary schools, then the answer is yes. It is true that the percentage and number of Māori and Pacifica students in higher decile schools have increased. 
34% of Māori students are in deciles 6 through 10, up from 23% in 2000, while the percentage of Pacifica students going to those schools has risen from 16 to 24%. But whatever the minister might say, the dramatic decline in Pākehā enrolments in the lower deciles, from 40 to 24%, is not explained by the falling number of Pākehā overall. Other observers of the education system agree the change has happened, and it does matter. Susan Warren is the chief executive of Comet Auckland, a trust promoting better education in the city. She says many schools need a better ethnic mix. What we're ending up with is some schools that are almost entirely kids from very low socioeconomic backgrounds, much more likely to be Māori, Pacific or very new migrants, and other schools where all the Pākehā kids congregate that are almost entirely higher socioeconomic groups. And that's just got implications for us as a society because one of the great things that schooling does is bring people together and help kids and families get to know each other across different parts of society. And, And when we've got that kind of disparity between different school groups, then those families and kids are not getting a chance to get to know each other and to actually see that, you know, we're all people and we can work together. Susan Warren says Polynesian and Māori students are also bypassing lower decile schools and that's making those schools smaller, which can create problems. So one thing is decile one and two schools are declining in numbers and especially for a secondary school that means it's sometimes you struggle to have the full range of subjects. And it also makes it harder for schools to manage when they're losing numbers every year. So that just has staffing implications for schools which is difficult. It also means some schools lack socio-economic diversity. What's left are the kids from families who don't have the resources for that bus fare, don't have the ability to get the kids organised in time to travel across town, those sorts of things. So even though, yes, there's more diversity of who is travelling, it's still actually socioeconomically not that diverse. It is the better off families that are sending their kids out. Bernadine Vesta is the author of Southern Transformation, a book detailing efforts to improve education in southern Auckland. She formerly worked as the head of the Comet Trust and she's married to Edgewater College principal Alan Vesta. She too says the outflow of students from low decile schools matters. Well, it becomes more and more challenging, of course, because what you're doing is you're concentrating disadvantage in the lowest decile schools. They're becoming more and more outliers out of the normal mainstream systems. So it makes the job of the educators harder because there isn't a, 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 another group of students there that are, are performing at a high level? I think it does make the, the job of principal leaders and teachers harder. Bernadine Vesta says some parts of Auckland have polarised so that there are plenty of high and low decile schools but few, if any, in the middle. There are very, very few mid-decile schools in South Auckland Ten years ago, the only place in South Auckland that had mid-decile schools was Pakaranga, and the high-decile schools in Howick, and decile one and two schools in Otara, Mangari, Manarewa, Papakura. Manarewa itself, as just as a suburb, has only very low-decile schools and high-decile schools. It would be very difficult to find in Manarewa, which is as large as Palmerston North, um, mid-decile school. 
Bernadine Vesta says it's a separating out of the rich and poor, but the system is set up to enable choice and parents can hardly be blamed. She says the government already has part of the answer to the issue with its communities of learning. That's the policy that gets schools to work in groups on common issues, with some teachers and principals paid extra to lead the work. If we're going to change anything about this high decile, low decile stuff, then we actually have to think of communities and schools as being part of networks. And in order to think about that, which is just exactly what the Minister is asking for in the communities of learning, we actually have to think of the leadership of those schools as being corralled around the interests of the network rather than the interests of only their own school. Bernadine Vesta says it's that last bit, the structure that focuses school leaders on the wider network, that's missing from the current policy. We have to think a lot, lot harder about how you govern schools and how you govern the power structures across schools. Without having a mission in the middle, that missing link that actually connects schools fundamentally through a governance framework, we're never going to get away from the clear inequalities that are emerging in places like Auckland. The other change that could alter the trend of the past 15 years is the almost certain demise of the school decile. The system allocates schools a number from 1 to 10 based on the percentage of students who come from the poorest neighbourhoods, as measured by census information about factors including household crowding and adults' qualifications and incomes. The government has signalled the decile is likely to go, probably replaced by a system that targets funding to the group of children indicators show are most at risk of not achieving. That means no more decile numbers that people can misconstrue as indicators of a school's quality. But Tim Foy from Huntley College is not convinced that will change community perceptions of low decile schools. I have some worries because obviously that's all available Public Information Act. So therefore if my role is 300 and let's say it got to 350, okay, so I've got 150 or 200 targeted students in my school. And if that information comes out, is it, is it any better or worse than just by stigmatising with a decile rating? Alan Vester at Edgewater College says decile-related funding is important for schools in poor communities, but the decile number is definitely misunderstood. Replacing it with something which is a lot better at predicting those students that will have difficulty um, and funding that appropriately, and I hope that they do, then I think the potential is that you will be able to lift the performance of students that currently aren't performing as well as they could. And would that reverse the trend? Would that mean that parents move their children back into school? I'm not sure. But if it doesn't, it still means that the kids that are in those schools now have better opportunities than they would have currently. Similarly, Gus Klein from Cosgrove School says an end to the stigma of a low decile number would be welcome. But more important is that the new system delivers enough money for schools like his to make a difference. What it's trying to achieve is great. However, we're now being judged as a school on that decile as the unintended consequence, and I've said that before. Whatever is going to take its place needs to make sure that schools like ours get the funding they need to give their kids what they need to accelerate their learning, to be able to learn and learn well. Susan Warren says school deciles are part of the problem, but what really needs to happen is to make sure people have confidence in their local school. On average, there are differences in, in quality of schools, and whether to do with decile or anything else, and there are times when actually parents are making a really rational choice 
to send their kid to a school out of their area. As a society, we need to do more to make sure that every school is is a great school and every teacher is a great teacher and every kid is getting a fantastic deal in education. One problem is schools with a big intake of low-income students often have low average achievement and parents mistakenly believe their child will perform at that average when in fact there are high and low achievers in every school. Gus Klein and Peter Rout from Cosgrove School say teachers in low decile schools really have to be at the top of their game. There are people out in the community that look at us and say this is a decile one school, therefore the teaching is not of a good quality. In fact, it's actually quite the reverse. better. <laughs> the teachers have to be more skilled. They have to have good behaviour management skills that are not so necessarily perhaps at a higher decile school. And of course, they have to really have a very good understanding of the teaching of curriculum, how to engage children and get them learning, especially if children are struggling academically. We have to be able to turn those kids around. The Education Minister, Hekia Parata, says there are changes underway that will help raise that confidence and, in turn, encourage a good social and ethnic mix in every school. First among them is the Communities of Learning Policy, which groups schools together to work on common goals. We're trying to focus on how do we make sure that every one of those are successful so that parents don't feel the need to travel across town to a school which may have this decile or that decile. So communities of learning will offer them those opportunities. Our investment in growing the quality of teaching, which we have uh, had a significant agenda underway for that, will also help with that. And the work we're doing on the funding review, which is aimed at replacing deciles, if we possibly can, with a better, more strategic, more focused way of funding, will also help with that. Those changes will take some time to take effect. The communities of learning, for example, were announced in 2014, but are still being set up. But even without reforms to funding systems and decile numbers, societal shifts may be bringing a new round of change, especially in Auckland. Susan Warren from Comet says Auckland's housing crisis is pushing many lower-income families further south and even right out of the city. That's adding to the trend in a way, but, um, but changing it. So now we may well see some more mixing again. Some places like Clendon that used to be very much purely low socioeconomic, very high Māori and Pacific community may end up with more diverse families again, uh, more Pākehā families moving there. Not sure yet, but certainly the housing crisis is having an effect on that and we're seeing that in schools. Just how the makeup of low decile schools will change over the next decade and what might drive that change is still unclear. But principals and education experts alike are hoping for a reversal of the ethnic and socio-economic polarisation that has affected some low-decile schools during the past 15 years. I'm John Gerritsen and that's Insight for this week. If you have any thoughts or want to get in touch, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send a tweet. Our Twitter handle is at InsightRNZ. That programme was written and presented by John Gerritsen. It was produced by me, Philippa Tolley, with technical production by Mark Chesterman. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programmes, head to iTunes or your Android provider, where you can listen, subscribe, rate and even review us. 
or visit the Insight webpage at radionz.co.nz. And thanks for listening. Thank you.